for every success story that you hear, that person has, or that company or whatever it is, has like many failures behind them under their belt. And, you know, don't be fooled if it's just like, if you haven't heard about them. Welcome to the HGW Podcast. We're your hosts, Zoe Sakutis and Erica Huss, founders of Blueprint Cleanse, the iconic juice brand that sparked a multi-billion dollar category. We bootstrapped, scaled, and sold, and now we're moving on. We put down the juicer and picked up the mic to start a conversation. We'll bring you behind-the-scenes information on leading brands and emerging ideas in this rapidly evolving world of wellness. Every Wednesday, we chat with experts or entrepreneurs who help us cut through the noise and bring you information you can actually use. No shaming, no guilt, just the cold-pressed truth about real ways you can feel better, mentally, physically, and emotionally. And bonus, we even share our often humiliating personal experiences, all in the name of your wellness journey. Clinical studies have shown that writing five-star reviews improves mood and circulation. So if you like what you hear, give us some love and share with a friend. Often irreverent and occasionally intuitive, consider us your navigators on the bumpy highway to well. We're going to talk about something that uh, I guess we've had our fair share of, and I think some inquiries people are interested to know (laughs) all of the juicy details around our... Say it. It's an F word. Failure. (laughs) Yeah, we had a little brush with failure, like many people do. Um, But unfortunately, many people don't discuss it. So, right. Many people don't discuss it. Or if they do, then there is definitely some finessing of the word, I guess. And it's not really failure. It's X. It's not really failure. It's whatever. And I mean, I think that's, it's great to, to reframe and think about it differently. But the reality is like, there is such a thing as, all right. fa- what do you got? You, well, have, you have a definition. Well, let's just do it because we've all, and I think it's a good thing to define failure however you want, but, um, you know, in whatever way that helps you, but... How does Webster define it? If you, I'm sorry, Webster? I don't know. I'm going to Wikipedia this shit. Dictionary.com. <laughs> um, so, failure is the state or condition of not meeting a desirable or intended objective and may be viewed as the opposite of success. Right. Which, right there, I think it's a problem. Sure. I think failure is not the opposite of success. I think failure is a part of success. Yes. Right? Yeah. That's fair to say. Right. So I guess that goes back to what I was saying, which is, is it, I mean, is it how you think about it or like people, people get really uncomfortable with that word, which again, I understand because it feels like the first part of that definition you read where you just haven't achieved what you set out to do. And I guess... It's more, it's more, it's, more, um, it's relative. It's kind of like... It's all relative. What were your objectives? Like, what were your expectations? Right. Were they met? Or, you know, and maybe that for you is is failure. But right. It just depends who, you know, who's right. looking at it. But then again, I guess, you know, the, the, the conventional wisdom or maybe the unconventional wisdom says that, you know, if you... If you look at it differently and and if it produces absolutely nothing in terms of a a learning, then sure, I guess that would be considered a failure. But I can't think of one example where you don't achieve your goal and you didn't learn anything along the way, right? Well, maybe failure is more just like there is useful failure and then there is failure that maybe is not being utilized, right? So it's like if you don't 
reframe it and you don't take the good away, then it really is just like, it's not helping you in any way. Right. And then you go down this, like spiral down this rabbit hole of just kicking your own ass and, and which is completely not productive. Right. And it's not even about productive. You don't have to be productive, but you have to be kind to yourself and you have to mm-hmm. find a, find the resiliency or, or then I think it is what would be classified as failure. So it's less about like the result of what you set out to do. It's more about how you respond and treat yourself and the way that you think about it. Right. So. Oh, resilience. Resilience. What so a gift. I, I, I found a few quotes about failure, okay, which you, I could share. Please. You know, they really run the range. Success is stumbling from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. I like that one. Success stumbling from failure to... Yeah, that's true. With no loss of enthusiasm. Right. Which basically means you find success in managing the failure. So you are are learning uh, every step. You're learning as you're bumbling through it, which again is the success, is the learning. Right? Yes. So should we talk about this in real terms? You want some context? Some real talk? Yeah. So four years ago, you're longer than that. Whatever. Was it? I God, this past like five years has just... Well, we're in 2019. Yeah, so five years. Five years. Five years. Well, I was pregnant. Right. It was August. And he just turned four. So... Right. It was probably exactly five years ago now. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think that the concept was was born uh, about five years ago. And then the actual company and the project came shortly (laughs) after that. And did it ever actually arrive? I guess that's the question. That is the question. But we had a, a moment of, so it, was on, so it was on the tail end, just to give a little context, of like a great success, which was Blueprint. And we built this wonderful business and it was like first time out of the gate. And, you know, we kind of like, we did very well. We succeeded. I think that was the definition of like, it was a, you know, it was a success story, obviously. Right. And... And then we left and then we moved on. We did a little bit of a victory lap and said, okay, now what are we going to do next? And we were so eager to work with each other again and sort of repeat that feeling of growing an exciting brand and like putting out a product that's really helpful to people and was in the same category, health space. And I think there was, I mean, if we're being really honest, I think there was a moment where, (laughs) where we, this is like, you know, we left Blueprint in May of 2014. And I think over the course of that summer, we both individually had this moment of like panic around, you know, is our window going to close? Right. You mean in terms of just being relevant? Yeah. Yeah. In terms of like, how do we, how do we simultaneously take this victory lap and, you know, take a step back and actually enjoy a moment because that's such a hugely important piece of any experience in life, whether you want to consider it a success or just a rite of passage, like to be able to take a step back and just like breathe for a second and give yourself, you know, a moment and and congratulate yourself and celebrate your success or celebrate your, whatever it is that you're celebrating. But that was the conflict there was like, how long can we do this and like kind of stay out of the game and still be relevant in this industry where we've now been, you know, key prominent players for the last several years. And that, I think that was a motivator for us. And in retrospect, that might not have been the best motivator. Probably not, but I think that's a motivation for so many people. I mean, even so, even just taking the example of women when they are pregnant and they leave the workforce, mm-hmm. 
Um, I mean, there are stats that are, I mean, it's just a reality that the longer you are away, the harder it is to get back. And for every year you are removed and you're not participating in the workforce, in whatever category, mm -hmm. your earning potential decreases by like, I think I read something like it was in the teens. It was significant. Mm -hmm. And so there was fear around... And maybe even doubly for me at the time because I was also pregnant. And so it was just like, shit, okay, I'm going to have this baby and then am I just going to like fall off the face of the earth? Right. Like, not, I'm you know. Have to go sit in a tent for two right. years while I'm the villagers Go like hang out in a yurt in the backyard and um, <laughs> breastfeed for four years. I mean, it was just kind of like, there was a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety around staying relevant and like participating. It's true. I mean, if you, if you're isolating yourself in any situation, it's usually not good, but this is like a very specific, like you can only be removed for so long before people completely forget sure. you. So, And I don't know that there's like a specific, what the correct amount of time is, is a little unclear. So yeah. And also at that time, I will note that the, the pace at which the wellness world was expanding and evolving was just like, tripling your, I mean, it was sure. Just, so when we, in 2008, when we started, 2007, 2006, it was just, it was kind of the begin, beginning of the, you know, the word wellness. And the word, like, I would say we had a pretty good hand in, yeah. in introducing the word toxins. <laughs> into the, so, so if you think about it now, I mean, it's like every day there's something new coming out. There's a new superfood. There's a new miracle cure. Um, there are like 50 different supplements and potions and whatever that we're supposed to be taking a day. So it's it's rapidly evolved. So I don't think that we were totally wrong in recognizing how quickly this was expanding and growing. There was definitely a lot of fear around that. So anyway, so here we are reflecting on that moment when we decided to say, okay, what is the next project going to be? And um, how are we going to get there? And for Blueprint, it was so organic. It was just like, it just kind of happened because, you know, if you're already doing something and then people kind of tap you and ask, you know, there's more of a pull. Right. But this was more of a push. This was push. We were like, That's how right. can we like reverse engineer something to serve our needs right now right. <laughs> as people who need to stay relevant in the wellness space? And like, how can we innovate within these right. like, parameters. I think we went looking for white space, yeah. whereas with Blueprint, the white space just sort of like became apparent. Right. So we thought of, well, it's a combination of two things. It was just, you know, I that was the point at which I think we were both taking a lot of supplements like hand over fist. I was probably taking times 10 more because I was pregnant. Right. Which is a horrible experience. You know, if you have to choke down like 20 pills a day, it's pretty unrealistic uh, for anybody. But we thought perhaps there was an easier way to do that. And we formulated a product, a like a snack food, basically. It was like a biscuit, a healthy biscuit. Right. Which biscuit might be the most unappetizing word in the world. That was where we went wrong. That was step one. <laughs> like, don't call anything a biscuit unless you're talking about dog food. But we basically created this vehicle for, it was a functional food. It was a vehicle for all of these supplements. So we spent all this time and money and energy. Well, we spent 
a ton of money is yeah. really what happened. Yeah, so a ton of money. Just backtrack for one second. I mean, basically, the idea was. I mean, the story also was born organically. You know, Zoe taking handfuls of pills all day, every day because of all of the prenatal vitamin needs that are required, plus like, you know, extra special nutrients, et cetera. And then, you know, essentially complaining about how like nauseous it would make you. And there was just this constant kind of like ebb and flow of like nausea and then a little window to eat a snack and then more nausea and then pill popping again. And so the idea was basically just like, how come these two things don't exist in one? Why can't you just eat something so that you don't feel nauseous that also has the full dose of vitamins, not in supplement, not in addition, because those products existed, but the product that did not exist was a direct combination of those two things. I mean, really, it's like, the, the truth is the gummy. Well, right. I mean, the gummy, yeah. Right. The gummy existed, but then the the gummy A did not actually address, you know, the need to eat a snack. And B, I mean, uh, it's candy. Like like not calling it the gummy. A gummy. Any gummy. Vitamins or gummies. Right. The gummy. The gummy vitamin. (laughs) Well, it's, you know, I mean, if you don't, if you're not down for like creating treat you know, a a treat occasion for a kid, for example, because then that just like sets their palate for, you know, to crave sweets. And then like something they have to do also is like a sweet, you know, candy thing that just, I think that sends the wrong message. And I mean, you don't really like eating candy just by the fistful to begin with. So I, I don't think that the idea and the concept was wrong. I think that, and I mean, it still hasn't been done, which may or may not be you know, indicative of of what the actual need in the market suggested. When but, the gummy already exists, people are, they seem right. to be quite happy with the gummy. But we <laughs> we set out and look, we had the benefit, we had the luxury of having some cash to, to, to put into this, which, you know, a lot of people who are starting something don't. And we, to some degree, I mean, in retrospect, I'm like, did we... We spent we spent too much money, I think, at the outset in creating a brand, and it was beautiful, and it was yes, you know, the packaging and the branding and the whole overall like look and feel of it was really, really quite lovely and high end. Yeah, we got tons of feedback and compliments and stuff on that. But someone else in our shoes might not have, you know, even if they had the money to spend, they might not have deployed it that way. So right. that kind of set us off in a track where like every passing month that we were not on shelves and not in the market started to feel a little bit nauseating. And there was no biscuit for that. No, no biscuit for that. So we spent a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of opportunity cost, I would say, when yeah. we could have been working on something else, which is always something that everyone should remember to factor into their equation when they're trying to figure out what to do. It's not just about like, do I do this or do I not do this? Is it a good project or isn't it a good project? It's like, what am I, if I do this, what else am I potentially saying no to? Right. And that is something that I don't know. I think we all need to consider. But anyway, so we we had this product, we had spent a lot of money and I think there's a little bit of like sunken cost fallacy going on where it was just like, it's hard to, you know, once you put enough money into something or you put so much money into something, it's really, really hard. It gets increasingly difficult to cut your losses. Right. right. And so it takes, Then you double down and... Yeah. There's something chemical that happens in your brain where you're just like, you reach a certain point and you're like, well, if I just do it, like you want to get over that tipping point, you think it's just around the corner. 
you want it to be. You have to right. believe that it is because the opposite of that is devastation. Right. <laughs> so um, anyway, so, okay. I can't underscore enough that we spent a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, do we want to talk about how much money we no, spent? No, 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 no. Okay. We're not going to put it because it's all relative. But uh-huh. I, I will say like it was a... It was a silly amount of money. It was a silly amount of money. And so we had this product. We then, after we had put all this money in, was the next step where we were supposed to go out to investors and say, hey, look at this amazing product that we've developed, the brand that we created. And now we have, you know, we have a little bit of interest from our retailer. Actually, we had a lot. We had, you know, we should just say, right? Yeah, but that (laughs) didn't happen at the initial no, not as stage. we were going out to investors. It was sort of right. like towards the end. It was towards the end. Um, which was tricky. So anyway, this is a very like expensive product to produce. And um, the business model is such that like you have to have a lot of upfront cash. This is not juice where right. juice is similar. I mean, the business model is literally like drug dealing. It's like, give me the cash, then I'll give you the product. Right. So it's very easy in that way to start up. There's like a very low barrier to entry. But this is like... We really had to spend a lot of money to get it going. And we needed additional funds from an investor to help us take it to the next level or even get it off the ground. Right. So, and the trick, so the, the pieces there were that we needed money to do the research and development R&D, which we didn't spend on juice. We needed it for this because we were talking about, you know, vitamins Vitamins. and pharmaceuticals, basically. We needed, so we needed money for that. We also needed what turned out to be a ridiculous amount of money for the regulatory fees associated mm. with this, which again, something that hadn't really been a factor for us in the past. In the past, um, we needed real uh, real legal expertise in understanding what the limitations were on a product like this because it's a supplement, but it's also a food and where does it sit on the shelf and how does the FDA look at it? And that proved to be, I think, shockingly expensive and time-consuming in ways that we had not anticipated. Yes, that is correct. And honestly, like there, again, there's some major advantages, benefits to being totally ignorant. Yes. Uh, like we had, we had, we been more ignorant in this area, we would have just gone out with it. I think. Right. And, and waited a for a lot like, of those problems. Exactly. Skipped a lot of those legal fees, a lot of the regulatory stuff. We just would have like got it on shelves and then waited for the FDA to come back and say, no, you can't do that and tap us on the snout right. and then give us the time to adjust. Um, it's not like the, you know, it's not like they immediately find you. I mean, you'd have to have like a class action if that were the case. Sure. Which is, which could have happened, honestly, if something went wrong, God forbid. But like the point is sometimes being ignorant really works in your favor sure. in the entrepreneurial world. Right. Well, you spend a lot less time asking permission and a lot more time, you know, doing whatever you need to do. And begging then forgiveness. Begging forgiveness, exactly. Yeah. Please, FDA, don't find me. <laughs> don't pull my product. So, and then the next, so now the next part was going out to investors. Right. And a lot of these investors we went back to were investors that we had sat down with from our blueprint days, investors that were super eager to work with us, right? That were, you know, I mean, basically everyone was kind of courting us. They it was like us to decide who we wanted to right. go with. They were like, "Let us know when you've got your next thing because yeah. we want to talk." Right. And so we went back to all those and people. Talk we did. And talk we did. Thirty-seven times. Yeah. Was it thirty-seven? 30? I still feel like it was more than that. Thirty-seven. And listen, in the world of like going out and raising capital, thirty-seven is not a big number. No, it's not. You probably should talk to triple that. 
before you start to feel like a failure. Right. <laughs> but our poor, fragile egos could not handle it. Well, and when someone says to you, I mean, if we had, we like to say, like, if we had a nickel for every time someone said, with your track record, you guys aren't going to have any trouble raising money, then we would have actually gotten the money that we needed from all those nickels. Right. So that was the sort of um, humbling, I guess is the word I'll use, part when every single person told us no. And it wasn't even like, I'll just give you a percentage of what you're asking for. I mean, it was all just flat out, no, I'm not giving you any money. Right. And every single one of those conversations ended with, but you guys, like, you know, it was, it was like, come back to us when you have some traction. Right. And you they have some experience. proof of concept, which is a big, big, big deal in this industry. And we yeah. didn't have it because no. there was no precedent for what we were doing. So we couldn't actually show that the market was really completely receptive and just like clamoring for more. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's, um, it's when you walk out of a room, just sort of with your head kind of held low, and everyone's telling you that you'll have no problem raising money, but they ain't coming from me. Right. Uh, is yeah. a bit, it's, it was a bit of a head scratch But let for us, us know if you want us to make any introductions for you. Yeah. That was oh, the but, other part. Oh, I know someone you should talk to. <laughs> I know someone you should talk to who's not, also not going to give you money. <laughs> so it's like, it was... It was humbling. It was soul it was crushing. Yeah, it was a soul destroying experience for sure. Because now we're like, wait a minute. We put in all this money. Why doesn't anyone else, you know, match it? Or like, that's another part of the confusion, I think. Even now when I think about it, it was if you start a product, I mean, investors want to see that you have some skin in the game. Sure. That's like very comforting to them. It's a very good sign for them to come in and join you. Sure. And so even though we had all this money already invested personally of our own money, they were still like, nah, you guys nah. are crazy. Nah, this is bullshit. So <clears throat> neither of which is true. We were not crazy, nor was it bullshit. But no. I think, again, proof of concept was a big deal. And, you know, we just, in some ways, I mean, in many ways, it feels like, you know, it was before its time, before it was really, before it was easy to, convince or to, to for a consumer to just like adopt this very sort of strange concept. It was kind of a concept. It was confusing where it should have lived in the store. It was confusing whether it was a vitamin or it was a food. Right. The label was a challenge because it was very long. The ingredient list was very long, but it was only long because it was full of it was listing out all the vitamins. But that doesn't really right. matter in 2018 because and it didn't matter then because the consumer has gotten so accustomed to turning the label over and looking for fewer than five ingredients. Right. Everyone's looking for a clean label. So even though this, you know, the ingredient list was not listing out junk, it was listing out vitamins, it was still long. And that was like a big hurdle for, for people and an even bigger hurdle for the very precious community that is like the prenatal community. Right. So even that was another misstep yeah. looking back was like, we shouldn't have started with prenatal. We should have started with a more generic- Something broader. Multi for adults yep. or something like that. So don't- And it was expensive and for the consumer. It was, it was definitely not the most comfortable price point. But we also, again, it's like we did it with the, you know, the best of intentions. Part of the reason that it was expensive was because we had insisted that there be a give back component to this product. And- we, for every box of these biscuits that was purchased, an equivalent dose of the vitamin was going to be donated to a woman 
in need, which was a big part of it because- Through Vitamin Angels, or partner. Through Vitamin Angels, who was an incredible partner to work with. And I would work with them again in a heartbeat for yeah. whatever next, you know, steps. Um, it was, uh, you know, it was so, I think that intention, that piece of it was so pure and real that it made swallowing the pill, no pun, that much harder. It was like, no, but we really are doing this for good. We really are, <laughs> we are doing this because we, we are genuinely doing... believe that like everyone has a right to a healthy pregnancy. Right. We were truly doing God's work. We really um, were attempting as So to all could. the investors who said, no, you're going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Not really. Um, I want my money back. So... <laughs> But there was a certain amount of so if I had just if I had any um, imposter syndrome coming out of Blueprint, right? It quadrupled yes. after that experience. Yes, because so, then I was yes. like, let's talk about that. Imposter syndrome is a big, it's a big deal, and it's real. Imposter syndrome. Let's define it. Do you know what it? Can you give me a close definition? I mean, I'm not going to Google it right we now, don't have but to I can Google tell that. you it's basically the overwhelming sense that wherever you are, you don't belong, that you're in over your head and that what you are achieving uh, or it, have achieved. You, you don't deserve it. And you, right. you've come, you've come it at like it. It was like luck. It was by luck. Exactly. Yeah. And sure. Absolutely. A thousand percent agree. I know you hate that expression. A thousand, a thousand percent. percent. Yeah. In this case, I think it applies. Yeah. <laughs> thousand percent. Applies. We both were sitting in our boat of shit, going yeah. like, hmm. sitting in our own poo. Was this all just a fluke? Egg Are we on our face eating crow? Eating, yeah, eating all of the all of the what's the word? The metaphors. Metaphors. We were having a giant metaphor smoothie mm. Mm. with <laughs> extra fiber. <laughs> metaphor shit smoothie. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we really genuinely, and thank God we were both in it. Yeah, because I I couldn't finish that smoothie on my own. No. No, somebody needs to help me. And nobody <laughs> wanted that. to fucking hear how bad the smoothie was. No, that no was one the else thing. in our lives. I was like, oh, biggest violin, you guys. Right. We failed. Oh, yeah, oh, so you sorry. just like sold your company and now you're sad because nobody will give you no any one more money. Your, little, your vitamin cookie. Right. Yeah, it was definitely not, not a lot of sympathy. But again, like it did have that, it kind of really solidified that feeling of <clears throat> imposter syndrome for me where I was like, shit, maybe that was luck. I really started to second guess. And then, it, I mean, that's like the, that's just the worst yes, feeling. It's the worst feeling. Because it gives you... I mean, that goes just, back to what we were just talking about with failure. Like if your mindset takes you there, then sure, it is a failure. Yeah. And it does not set you up for success in the future. No. If you're walking around with imposter syndrome and you are like, you you let others sort of convince you that what you've achieved was just like some dumb stroke of luck and not by your own, you know, doing. Or forget about letting others convince you. That's that's one yourself. piece of it. But if you have already convinced yes. yourself, yes. based on sometimes no feedback from See, anyone else. Totally, yeah. Based sometimes on it's just all everything your up in the noggin. Yeah. So, but you are, but, so if you sit around with that feeling and you, you know, you don't let it go, that it really just sets it you up festers. for- festers. Well, it festers and it also just paralyzes you. Yeah. It's really hard to move forward from that because you're just, now you have the fear of failure. Like, shit, I don't want to be, yeah, I don't want to make a mistake again. And I mean, as any, you know, as any book, as any TED talk, as any coach will tell you, like, if you are motivated by fear and you operate from a place of fear, you are going to get absolutely nowhere. 
And if everything is reactive and if everything is defensive and preventative all the time, and you're not actually taking steps that are genuinely rooted in true belief in your ability to accomplish something, then it is completely futile. I will challenge that and say that I am often motivated by fear. I don't know. Maybe it's not fear. Maybe I'm just using the wrong word. But I do have, I think it motivates me somehow. I don't know. It's like the fear of being homeless <laughs> motivates me to go out and figure out how to make money. That, you well, know, I don't know. There's two sides to that. Maybe. Yeah, there are. I mean, I think, I think you, yeah, I think you can look at things as though, you have to use your true drive and grit to get things done or else, or you can think about it in terms of you have to work hard, you have to use drive and grit, but the opportunities are out there. You really just have to actually find them. And it's not so much like a do or die or else. It's more just, I don't know. I mean, it depends on how you look at it. It it does. All relative. So, okay. How is your imposter syndrome feeling today? I'm happy to say that I feel like I've been able to manage it. Yeah, I think I've let go of that bullshit. Which I think is interesting because it's not like we've done anything super impressive since that moment in time. But I think the shift of mindset is has been part of the journey. Has been. I think we've both, fair to say, we've done a lot of work Mm. to kind of get ourselves into a different place. Yeah, and by work, you mean just literally therapy? Yeah, all types of, I mean, therapy and reading and meditation and all of those things, whatever you want to call it, all of the self-care and the self-help Yeah, to get over that. And I can't, I mean, I don't know that there's like one specific moment I could pinpoint to say, oh, that was the day where I stopped feeling like I was bullshit and started believing that, you know, it was real. It just, I don't have that anymore. Yeah. Me neither. Good. Congratulations. I know. Good. What are we doing next? (laughs) Now that we're fearless and ignorant, I'm trying to regain some of my ignorance. I'm trying to regain, I'm trying to tap into some more of that like lost child, like I will say, I don't want to say innocence, but I guess it really is just that blissful ignorance where you're kind of in the moment. I'm going to see where where it takes me. Well, yeah, but I think that it, I mean, childlike is actually a good way of thinking about it because it's kind of akin to keeping your eyes on your own paper. Yeah. When you're doing when you're in your zone and when you're in your, you know, you're five years old and you're coloring or whatever, you're in your moment. It has absolutely no bearing on you what someone else's coloring looks like. It's right. only what you're doing and you get lost in it. And then the end result, you're just you're happy with it. So I think tapping into that where it's so not about what other people are doing or what they're thinking about or what they're thinking about you. It's just like you're in your you're in your lane, you're in your zone, your flow, whatever you want to call it, whatever mm-hmm. metaphor Keep your works eye for on people. Your own yoga mat. Yeah. And that, yoga is a really good example too. Yeah. Like it has nothing to do with what someone else's fucking tree pose looks like. Right. So where's your tree, Zoe? It's um firmly rooted right here. <laughs> uh, I haven't done yoga in a very long time. Well, you're doing mind yoga. You're doing soul yoga. Yeah. I so but we are going to, we are, I think, in a healthier place now. We did have a lot of learnings from that. And I'm actually glad that it happened because well, yes. I learned more from that experience than from all, you know, seven years of Blueprint. I, I, what, I absolutely agree. I cannot agree more. I think that it helped us. It put things in perspective. It showed us that, you know, you can, you can achieve, but it's the road is not going to be without its 
you know, it's serious bumps and obstacles and you, you get over them and you, you know, you take, you're not going to go that path again. Yeah. So yes, I think here, as we sit on the eve of, you know, trying to do new great things, I feel like we have now actually, it's, it's kind of a rare gift that we have a, a tremendous success and a soul-crushing failure under our belts. Yeah. <laughs> what are we batting? We are batting 500. Yeah. That's the best math that I could possibly do. You, hey, <laughs> your math is not as bad as you think it is. <laughs> My baseball math is better than yours. Yeah. So... You can have that. It all... Yeah, thanks. Um, I think that it's all... Yeah, I don't know. I can't come up with any like, you know, platitude that's going to sum it all up, but... Well, success is not a straight line. And I will say that the reason that we wanted to talk about this particular failure or any failure really, believe me, this is not the only one, but it's by far... It's one big one. To date, it is it is by far the biggest. For every success story that you hear, that person has, or that company or whatever it is, has like many failures behind them under their belt. And... You know, don't be fooled if it's just like, if you haven't heard about them, trust. Right. And th- trust, they do exist. But a little asterisk there, Theranos does not count. <laughs> Theranos? No, that was she, That doesn't uh, count. That's but, just, it, bitch is crazy. Yeah, she crickey. But, but wow, could she rock a black turtleneck? <laughs> Maybe that's what we need next is a uniform. A uniform, clearly that's what made Steve Jobs so successful. So maybe we close it off with another inspiring quote. Oh, what do you have? From the immortal words oh, of... Yes. Of, well, let's just put it out there. Uh, I get knocked down, mm, but I get up again. I get up again. No, they're never going to beat me down. I get knocked down, but I get up again. Ain't never going to beat me down. Chumbawamba. <laughs> you said you it said best. It best. <laughs> And you know what? Wait, we have to also point out that that was Chumbawamba's only hit uh-huh. ever. Yep. So very meta. <laughs> very meta. They never got back up again. <laughs> they basically dropped the mic and yeah. that was it. They're, they're like, like, I don't need to get up again. Or I they're like, gave you this. Ah, they're like, I'm never going to top this. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be our next LLC name is Chumbawamba. Chumbawamba. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, DBA Chumbawamba. R.I.P. Chumba Wumba. There you go. So there you have it. There you have it. Failure. Huh? Sharing is caring, guys. Hope you enjoyed. Let us know if you have any questions. Let us know if you want to share your failures. Yeah, we want to hear what you what you suck at. Didn't succeed <laughs> at. Yeah. All right. Bye. Peace out. Thanks for listening to HTW. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and make sure and rate us on iTunes. You can even give us five whole stars if you think we deserve it. If you have ideas for guests or topics, you can call our 1-800 number. Yes, we have a 1-800 number at 800-674-1839 or holler at us on social at HTW Podcast. You can also head to our website at hdwpodcast.com for more episode info and check out our Daily Blend blog to see what we're drinking.